Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit Lynda.com slash TWIP. That's Lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TWIP. This week on TWIP, it turns out the U.S. Constitution's Fourth Amendment doesn't protect online storage. Canon and Microsoft sign a patent agreement, and smartphone photography has doubled restaurant table times. It's Monday, July 21st, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of TWIP. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss the world of photography and more, I'm Ms. Valerie Jardin and Mr. Derek Story. Hey, guys. Hey, Hello. guys. How are you? I'm doing great. Valerie, you're just back. You've been on the road for about, what, a year and a half running around <laughs> Europe and... Yeah, five weeks. Last time I saw you was in Paris a month ago. Can you believe it? I know. It feels like... It feels like <laughs> And, uh, you know, like an eternity ago, I want to go back to Paris and you just got back. That's not fair. Just got back like two days ago, three days ago. Yeah, I was uh, I took a little vacation after the workshop. So family, family met me there. And and then we went to visit my family on the coast. And uh, after spending a few days, a few extra days in Paris and it was all good, beautiful weather and tried to unwind a little bit and take a little bit of a break, which is really hard for me to do. But uh, I worked a little bit, but I tried to relax too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I know during those workshops, you are you're like a rubber band wound up, really. <laughs> yeah, you have to be. And now I have, uh, I'm gearing up for the fall season, which is going to be busy. I have two week long workshops in France back to back in less than two months now, mm-hmm. and uh, and then um, coming back, and then it's Minneapolis and then New York, and so it's going to be boom, 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 boom. So, wow. but I have one spot that became open for Paris in uh, September, October. It's maybe. I think September twenty eighth. Maybe I should take that one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can come again. <laughs> I love Paris. There's still a little. I still have to see the uh, Versailles and all that stuff, and you know, go into oh. the Louvre and all that. Yeah, you could spend a lifetime there and not see it all. So I know it. I know bad. it. Well, cool. Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you again, Valerie. Thank you. And also on the show is my good friend, Mr. Derek Story, the nimble photographer. What's going on, Derek? Hey, Frederick. Well, I'm I'm very relaxed. You're relaxed? Why? Because <laughs> you sure. just, you look a little like you got some sun or something. What happened? Yeah, I was hanging out in Maui last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> what was that drink you posted online? Like that's a lava, a lava flow? flow? That's a lava flow. That is so good. It is, um, it's like a, kind of like a, uh, a, a slushy pina colada with a little bit of pomegranate juice and oh. lots of rum. Wow. Yeah. It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. Well, you know, I feel woefully inadequate because you guys have been running around the globe and I have not been anywhere recently. So, Valerie, I'm suffering from travel withdrawal. I feel like withdrawal. I need to book a ticket or something to, <laughs> to, 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 uh, to feel a little better. 
but it's all good. We're going to we're going to do a good show today. We got a lot of interesting things to talk about. Before we jump into that, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills, you can explore new hobbies, and all of this is using their you can do this using their easy to follow video tutorials. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop or improve your photography skills or manage your photos in Lightroom, lynda.com offers thousands of courses on a variety of topics. Like I said, you can learn software, I mean, and this can be in the creative genre, you can learn business skills, photography techniques, web design. They've got over 2,400 courses and they're adding new courses every week. lynda.com works directly with software companies to provide timely training, often on the same day that the new software versions are released. So you pick up some new software, you head over to lynda.com and learn how to use it and get up to speed with it the same day. And they offer courses for all levels and they're adding new courses all the time. These courses are taught by industry experts. These are folks that know what they do, they're doing, plus they're folks that have been training photography and software for years and years. So they know how to get an idea out of their head into your head. And uh, their instructors are, like I said, accomplished professionals. Many of them are at the top of their fields and they're passionate about teaching and training. Now, Linda's productions and their, their courses are high quality video productions. They shoot them in studio, you know, like there's live action that's shot in studio and high quality screen capture for the, the demonstration pieces. These aren't just, you know, any video that any old person can record. These are productions. These are high quality productions. And they're convenient. You can take the courses anytime you want from your computer, tablet, or mobile device. And then each course is structured so that you can learn from start to finish or just jump in the middle somewhere to find a quick answer to some problem that's been bugging you. And the courses are broken into bite-sized pieces. So if you got 15 minutes to spare or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace on your own terms. And one low price of 25 bucks gives you unlimited access to the entire library. So we've worked out a deal with lynda.com so that uh, you can get a special offer to access the entire library for free, this is for TWIP listeners, for seven days. So just visit lynda.com slash TWIP to try lynda.com free for seven days. Once again, that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash TWIP to try it out for seven days. And I'll tell you, I'm using that seven-day trial right now to uh, get up to speed on Adobe Audition. So, you know, of course, I'm a member of the Adobe Creative Cloud, so I have access to all of Adobe software, and we're doing some pretty interesting things on in the TWIP universe, kind of stepping things up or stepping our game up a little bit, and I found myself needing to learn how to use Adobe Audition, which is their audio editing software. Well, when I first launched it, I was like, oh, oh boy, here we go, you know? So my first step was YouTube, and I jumped around and found some tutorials on YouTube, but then I went to Linda and boom, there it is, an entire course laid out for everything I need to know about Adobe Audition and I'm getting up to speed very quickly. So once again, try them out, get access to everything they have in their library for free, over 2,400 courses and just, uh, just head over to lynda.com slash twip and everything will just work from there.
And we thank Linda for their support of This Week in Photo. Okay, guys, uh, story number one. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff, as we were talking about before we started recording, this show seems like it's going to be This Week in Legal or something. <laughs> because as everybody turns off. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm done with that. I don't need to hear that. No, no but it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, we, we do controversy like no other podcast does controversy. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to put that to the test today. So let me read this, this uh, blurb that uh, Bruce put in the show notes for us. He says, earlier this year, a New York judge ruled that U.S. search warrants applied to digital data, even if the data wasn't stored domestically, which is scary. The ruling came about after Microsoft was asked to hand over the user information and contested the warrant because the info was stored on servers located in Dublin, Ireland, in the ongoing battle to protect users' privacy, Microsoft has made their stance very clear, but so has the government with a brief filed last week. In it, the U.S. government countered Microsoft's endeavors to keep data abroad safe from the prying eye of government officials, noting that according to the Stored Communications Act, or SCA, any content stored online does not have the same rights as physical information as protected by the Fourth Amendment. Okay, so... This is some scary stuff here, right? So, from a so bringing it back home to photography, that means you know now. Granted, we are all normal, law-abiding photographers. We really have nothing to hide, you know. If you want, yeah, Derek, sorry. <laughs> Derek, are you looking towards the closet back there? Are skeletons in there? <laughs> it's like, did I close the closet? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but you know, I understand with you know again, you know, me being the fair and balanced. Uh, I I can't believe I use fair and balanced. Me being a balanced host here, the on the government side of it. Okay, they're saying you know, and uh, you know, of course they'll throw out that terrorism thing. You know, we need to root out terror wherever it is, and it, of course it can originate from outside the U.S. borders. Okay, I can see that standpoint with a grain of salt. On the other side, on a citizen side of it, I'm like, that's some weird stuff, you know? So if you can just write laws inside of a country that says, you know what? We feel like we can go to other countries if we want to and do whatever we want. Isn't that a little weird, Derek? I mean, what do, what do you think? I mean, does that... I mean, I know you have lots of crazy pictures zipped up and protected in the Cayman Islands, right? I mean, does this worry you at all? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it doesn't, it actually, it doesn't surprise me this day and age. I'll have to yeah. say that it doesn't surprise me at all. And really, I'm still operating uh, off the rule that uh, I think I heard back in the late 90s. Uh, at when I had a, a, a regular work job, a, a cubicle job for mm. as a communications guy, where the rule was there: don't uh, put anything on your computer, or don't do anything on your computer that you would be nervous about having your mom see if she were looking over your shoulder while you did it. Sure. And um, and I think I think we're still there, Frederick. Yeah. I, I think that in terms of what you put uh, out there on the cloud, what you put on Facebook, what you post on Google+, what you do anywhere, um, don't do it if if you don't want someone else to – if you if there's a certain segment you don't want to see it. 
such as law enforcement or, um, you know, really your wife, uh, your yeah. mom, you know, any of that right. kind of stuff. Right. Really, just don't do it. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, that's that's the that's the thing that I've been operating off. And that and that's smart. The rule of thumb, my my rule of thumb is very similar. It's like anything that goes on the internet is like putting it on a table in your front yard. So if you're if you're okay with putting that stuff on a table in front of your in front of your house and people can walk by and see it and scrutinize it and all that, then you know it's fine. You know, so Valerie, you know, you you see this. So you come from a unique perspective, right? So you uh, live inside the United States, but you are a citizen of France, and so presumably, I don't know. Does it? Do you care? I mean, that that your data can the United States can say, you know what, Valerie. I'm looking in that folder and you can't stop me. What do you think? Well, actually what bothers me is that they need they don't need the same type of warrant as they would for to come into your house. Mm -hmm. Why would your email be any less protected than whatever's in your file cabinet? That's right. what bothers me. And and I I I think that Microsoft is doing the right thing by trying to protect that um, the way other things are protected, um, because that really bothers me that the U.S. government could choose to check my email uh, without a warrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scary. And I remember uh, who was it? A friend of mine, um, Jeff Barrell. He runs he runs uh, Data Robotics, and he was telling me that you know we were having lunch one time. And we were talking about just security of data as it applies to because I think we were specifically talking about their transporter product product, which is like a it's a Dropbox that you essentially connect to your network. And the gist of the conversation was that there had been this case where, you know, there was data stored on an online cloud service that the government had, because of the terms of service and whatever, was able to go in there and look at whatever they wanted to see. And they, for whatever reason, they had, they apparently had robots sniffing through this stuff with algorithms that flag certain kinds of imagery. It flags certain kinds of Im imagery in this guy's account. He happened to be like a, a photographer that did nudes or something like that. So it flagged his account as like child pornography or something crazy like that. And he got in trouble. You know, it was he was completely innocent, completely nefarious. But the fact is that they were that's like someone coming into your house when you're not home going through your stuff, you know, and then like coming to your job and arresting you because they found something in your house when they had no business going in your house. You know, it's just, it's kind of weird, you know, and then his point was with a product like Transporter, it sits on your home network. So theoretically, it's not part of the internet. So it's protected from that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, after this judgment happens, I feel like anything that's connected to the internet is fair game. Derek, what do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, even though I mean, I have a transporter and I, I have a Drobo and I I have a couple other things. I use Pogo Plug, which mm -hmm. I like a lot. Yeah, those things are cool, uh, but you know they are network connected. And uh, personally, I'm not under the illusion that they're any safer than uh, photos that I'd put up on Dropbox. Yeah. In the sense that they're if they're traveling over the internet, uh, then they can be intercepted. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously, when we saw. You know all the the brouhaha uh, relating to the NSA and the techniques that they they use. You just go, if it travels if it travels over the internet, it's you know chances are you know it can be easily seen. No matter where it's stored, uh, it's it's the going back and forth you know where it can be intercepted. So I you know I would say just don't have any sort of false sense of security about you know anything 
that goes online. You know, yeah. even no, if sure. it's even if you have your own, even if you have your own server, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the easy way to do that is, uh, you know, don't be involved in illegal activity is kind of a, a way to sort of, you know, not worry about it. Derek, that's <laughs> that's easier said than done, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but you know where where the you know where I will say you know that, I mean that was kind of a you know stupid thing to say in the of sense course. that because you know where where federal government will get you is something that you don't think is illegal and but yet is deemed as illegal and then suddenly you go oh my god I'm I'm in trouble and never had any idea that I was uh, you know involved in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that you know and uh, you know people that happens to people all the time. So what's the so to both of you guys what's what's the solution here I mean if you know they're saying uh, taking the stance that of course everyone no one's no one's doing anything nefarious right so this is not you know this week in in you know crime, crime or right? <laughs> but say you're you just have stuff that you don't want anybody to see you know it's your own personal stuff you know or for yeah. whatever reasons it's private how do you make sure that it stays private is, is in other words. Is there such a thing as privacy in 2014? Frederick, use use a, a notebook and you know paper and the <laughs> sketch pencil. It. Like you always <laughs> laughed at me, but you know, because I still use a paper planner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, I have it with me and. Yeah, but see, that's different, though. I mean, like, <laughs> some things are okay being digital because, like, know. who cares that the government knows that I need to go pick up eggs, right? So <laughs> that that's different than a photo of my significant other that I don't want anybody to see, you that's know? Right. Yeah. I don't know, you know? It's, Notice that. I really don't think you can... I, I, as Derek said, whatever you put out online, it's not, I don't believe in, there is no privacy, really. I mean, it's like Big Brother is watching you all the time, and... Uh, I I'm I don't think anything is secret. Yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a numbers game in, in the sense that, you know, unless you decide to run for office or something, you know, chances are very slim that that anyone would ever really investigate or look into your stuff, Frederick. Yeah, you know, I mean, those those if you just look at those numbers, they're pretty small, and you know, it, it's a lot kind of like real life too. Is that as you're kind of swimming around in the aquarium of life, you just hope that you don't run into a shark, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if you run into a shark, you're probably going to die. Yeah. And um, you know, and if you run into the NSA, you're probably you know not going to come out very well right. on the deal. So I think a lot of it is is just you know, I don't think most of us would ever uh, be scrutinized. Uh, I'm boring. They could look into all my stuff, and you know they probably fall asleep halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, you know the thing is, though, I'll tell you, if if I had a, a son that was thinking about running for public office, you know, one day, probably one of the things that I would you know try to tutor him with is from you know from now on everything. You know, every, anything, every email, every text, every everything that you say, you have to look at it like how would someone use that if they were running against me? I mean, right. you know, that that's where, you know, when you go into the spotlight, you become a celebrity, you become a politician, one of those things. Man, that's when it seems like people go after you. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's funny you bring that up. So the first thing you brought up was the whole idea of security through obscurity. Right? Yeah. So you know, if unless you like are a red dot in a sea of blue, you're probably gonna blend right in, <laughs> right? But the yeah. other thing is like, and it's gonna be interesting over the next decade or two decades as 
kids today grow up and go into politics and you know start running for office and these facebook posts and snapchat videos and all this crap comes back to bite them you know and they lose the presidency because they were doing something crazy on facebook in 2014 well you know i mean on the other hand oh sorry go ahead Derek. oh i was just gonna say it's happening to them right now when they go apply for a job Mm -hmm. yeah or they apply for college. I mean, uh, a lot of this stuff is already uh, catching up with them. And, you know, this is not, you don't need the NSA to, to you know, check out someone's Facebook page. I mean, right. anyone can do that. And so this idea of you know, putting, you know, yourself up on a page where you're, you know, you're drunk and holding up a joint, yeah. uh, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Or these like, or these tirades that people go on on oh, Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, it takes one sentence. Can you, you know how they take these attacks? ads they could take one sentence and make an entire commercial (laughs) based on you know (laughs) valerie said that she's sick of kittens today valerie jardin hates cats (laughs) she wants to kill she wants to take your cats from do you want a woman like this running for office i think not (laughs) so right valerie it could happen yeah i know it's uh (laughs) it's scary you have to watch what you say and try never to offend anyone and I mean, when when you're out there on on uh, on social media, and uh, and very few people care about that. It is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. But then it's so common, you know. I <laughs> feel like even if all those, like you say, in ten, twenty years, people running for office, and all those pictures come up, you know. But it's gonna be everyone, so it's gonna be. Nobody's going to care. Right. We, we we would find out if Bill Clinton truly did inhale or not. Exactly. <laughs> There'd be photos and Snapchat yeah. videos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so all you, you know, people, I was going to say all you young people listening, but really, carbon-based life forms, whoever's yes. listening to this, right. be careful of what you post. Even little tweets will come back and bite you later, you know? You're like, man, I would have had that six-figure job if i had just not tweeted that political post you know during the elections i would have had the job you know don't do it it's not worth it and all you're doing is adding to facebook anyway and giving them more content i mean they're just growing bigger and bigger and you know you get smaller and smaller you see the only good thing about this i'm almost to the age now where i don't care you see and that's that's kind of the cool thing when you get a little bit older (laughs) it's just like like I'm never gonna work for anyone again. You know, <laughs> I, I, same here. I, you know, yeah, I hear I'm you. never gonna run for office. I, you know, I'm not gonna do any of so that. You can do, you know? So Derek, so the, the metaphor would be like, you know, some people are just getting to the party and they need to make a good impression. Derek, yeah. you're on I your way out of the party. <laughs> No, I'm sauced when I get there, you know. Oh, man. Uh-oh, it looks like Valerie may have dropped off the call. We'll see if we can get her back in. Um, so Derek, I'm still here. Oh, you are still there. Just, good. The video c- cut off. Okay, good, 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 good. We so you're still here. Perfect. So just for the listeners' edification, so we normally do these ha- these hangouts, and we for the last several episodes we've been recording TWIP using Google Plus Hangouts. We're experimenting with going back to Skype video for some infrastructure reasons, and this is the first one in the test on that. And now Derek is now vid- audio again. Derek, are you still there? Looks like we lost Derek. It's just me. No, Derek's still there. Okay, good, good, good. I'm still here, but Frederick, you you left. Oh, wait, you're back. I'm still here. I'm still here. You know what? I think it's the NSA. 
Yeah, I know. As soon as we start talking about this stuff, they get. I think, uh, you see, you see, we tempted fate. Yes, we did. Yes, Next we thing did. You know. All right, I'm switching to audio only. How about that? There we go. All right, guys. So you can still hear me, I trust, right? Yeah, yes. you sound good. Now. Okay, good. All right, let's move on to the second the second story, which is Canon and Microsoft. Let me read the blurb here for the the listening audience. I guess everyone's a listening audience. Now. <laughs> okay, it says. Uh, expect to see greater collaboration between Microsoft and Canon. Last week, the two companies signed a patent agreement that would see them exchanging patents across a broad range of technologies, including imaging products and mobile consumer products. Uh, quote, in practice, this could mean that Canon imaging technology will be used in future uh, Lumia smartphones made by Nokia, a, de a device division which is now owned by Microsoft. On the other hand, Canon cameras could benefit from some of Microsoft and Nokia's mobile and wireless knowledge. Derek, I know you have a Canon camera or two laying I around do, over there. Do I you do. do you want uh, Microsoft's chocolate and Canon's peanut butter? It's like, oh my god. <laughs> 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 You're going to get the blue screen of death on your camera. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll tell you just a, sh a very, very short story. So, you know, we've all been traveling lately, right? So mm -hmm. I was at the uh, airport, you know, check-in, and, you know, they want you to do automatic check-in now, the self-serve thing. Yeah. And so I'm getting about halfway through my check-in. I get everything entered and stuff. And then the thing, the terminal that I'm using at, uh, at the airport check-in just, like, freezes up and just stops. <laughs> Doesn't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going, oh, God, I'm halfway through, you know, so what's going to happen now? So the person comes over and stuff, and they pull open the door and everything, and they reboot it. And it was a freaking Windows machine that they were using. It was like the little Windows flag comes up and everything. Uh. And uh, so, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking right then when I see the stories that I can just see my, my Canon camera, you know, having to reboot in the middle of a photo shoot. You oh, know, yeah. Because, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know why they're doing this. You know, the I you know, uh you know, Microsoft they got they got Nokia and you know and now they're you know they're laying off, you know, tons of the Nokia uh, staff that they absorbed. And um you know, Canon, you know, Microsoft's feeling like they sort of jumped the shark on a lot in a lot of areas. Yeah. yeah. Canon's not feeling that relevant to me these days either in all yeah. honesty. Yeah. Uh I, I I would have done something more creative than this partnership. You know what this sounds like to me? This sound this reminds me of high school when all the the you know and I count myself into this group the unpopular kids kind of cluster together. Yeah, <laughs> it feels very much like that. You know? It's, it's just, like, hey, you 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 like comic books too, huh? Let's go hang. <laughs> You know, yeah. We don't need those guys that they're playing football with those cheerleaders. You know, we, uh, we can go hang out in this, you know, and play and play our instruments in band. No, it feels like a pimple fest. I mean, it really does here. Valerie, I, is this is this uh, some high tech Darwinian Darwinism going on here? Uh oh. I don't know. Oh, you are there. Oh, I'm here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I oh, no, that's okay. For a second. What do you think? Um, I mean, what's what's going on here? Is this the nerd fest? I don't know. It can that story kind of looked boring to me. <laughs> Sorry. We're I doing our best. We're doing our best to juice I, it up. Valerie, I'm making I'm making lemonade here from lemons. Come on. Yeah. Work I don't care me. about Canon anymore, and I never really cared about Microsoft. So. Right. Right. Yeah. What do yeah. you care? Who do you care about? I know you have a Sony camera over there, and of course you're the Fuji girl. So. 
Yeah, you're, that's about it. Yeah, you're like you're I'm very happy loyal. With the Fuji. You can take everything else. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pry that Fuji from your cold dead fingers, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is crazy. I don't know. I mean, so I guess a higher part of this conversation would be, you know, I think Doug K on the All About the Gear show always talks about, especially on the side of Sony, that they're, they make great gear, but their operating system, I think Trey Ratcliffe said something like, Sony, the people that designed Sony's software were, were blind monkeys or something. <laughs> 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 because the cameras are beautiful and then you get in there and it's like, you know, an afterthought. I mean, it, could this be a step in the right direction towards making really cool UIs on it seems like one of the last consumer devices that needs some kind of Steve Jobs-esque help on it? What do you think, Derek? Well, I mean, I think Canon's UI is already one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I love the the menu system on Canon cameras. It's, it's one of the things that when I, you know, like I just did a layoff where I hadn't used a DSLR for a bit because I've been traveling. So I've been using my Micro Four Thirds gear. Mm-hmm. And I, I just fired up the Canon gear today because I got some uh, big corporate shoots coming up. And I just go, you know, this is this is a nice menu system. So yeah. I, if anything, you know, Microsoft should adopt what Canon is doing on the menu system and things like that. Maybe they should ad- adopt that my, that that operating system from Canon cameras for the whole Windows. It <laughs> <Like, laughs> might work, you know? I, don't know. I don't know. You know, I just ugh. yeah. It's just I just look at the story and it's going, you know, poor Canon, poor Microsoft. I know. That so for the- hey, I do want to ask uh, Valerie though, and this is fair because you brought it up. So I know Valerie, you love the you love the rangefinder Fuji films, but have you played with the XT one? No, I haven't. No, 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 I'm yes, I might, and that might be my next purchase. I'm selling my DS, the last bit of DSLR stuff I have, so uh, I may uh, invest in um, in the next Fuji. I'm gonna waiting for uh, the fall. Um, shows uh photokina mm-hmm. um with the new stuff coming out but mm-hmm. um but really seriously i'm completely happy with my x100s i yeah. i can have this camera only and i'm i'm happy with it um it fits me i mean i've been playing with the sony alpha 6000 which is a great camera and and i'll talk about it a little later um and i i, I would like to explore using you know, a range of lenses, which mm-hmm. I can't do with the Fuji, but I don't miss it. And for what I do, um, I can shoot anything with that Fuji. Yeah. So yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I credit that Fuji X100, not even the S, but the maybe it was the S. It was right on the, the, the brink between the 100 and the S before the S came out. But that was when I started really getting excited and interested in raising an eyebrow about mirrorless cameras and what they could potentially offer. And I think it was, you know, it was a bunch of folks, but one of them was Zach, you know, Arius and his yeah. videos, you know, talking about his Fuji cameras and, you know, the, of course the images from them that just sort of blew me away. So Valerie, you're, when I think about, when I hear you talk about that Fuji X100S, I have a vision in my head of you running through a field of wheat in slow motion towards the x100s who's running towards you with arms stretched open yes it's <laughs> with chariots of fire story. playing <laughs> you know? i mean it's it's the most exciting camera i've ever owned i've never felt 
and I'm you know me I really could care less about gear mm -hmm. in general mm -hmm. I don't care about brand mm -hmm. um, but this camera feels like an extension of me and yeah. Yeah. it doesn't come in the way it just fits me it does it's not for everybody I mean a lot of people would find it awfully restricting yeah. uh, just because you can't change lenses to me it's perfect and it's perfect for what I do and I don't just shoot street photography I mean of course it is obviously the 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 one one of the best cameras for street photography I believe but um, but I shoot anything and everything yeah. um, and I, I, I can I can attest to that because just seeing being a fly on the wall in Paris during your your workshop by the way which was awesome um, and just sort of watching you wield that thing and that's your only camera there are people there with you know, large cameras, multiple lenses, gear, you know, all over the place. And Valerie's there with just that one camera with a fixed lens on it and just going to town. You know, <laughs> it was a thing to watch. I mean, it was it was awesome. So but um, so I, I, I just I just love it. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to try other things. And yeah. as I said, I tried the Sony and it's exciting, but it it's never it doesn't fit me like the Fuji. And, and so far I'm nothing. Um, not, I mean, hands down, I've never had a camera I loved more than this one. And, so, and I hear a lot of people feeling the same way and a lot of people who just, it just doesn't work for them. Yeah. Um, so it's not the camera that would, you know, it's, I don't think it's a beginner's camera and I don't think it's a camera that you just want to go buy. I mean, it's expensive without trying it first because it's different. Yeah. You could always rent it, right? So. Exactly. I mean, that's really, it would be a good camera to rent. At first, when I used it the first couple days I wasn't so sure it took a little while to uh, to get used to it but um, I haven't you know as I said I haven't used my uh, my DSLR and I I haven't missed it and it's been a year and a half now so and the the, the day that you knew that camera was for you was when you woke up and it was on the pillow next to you right? <laughs> <laughs> looking at me <laughs> looking, looking at you lovingly Derek what's what's your camera of choice these days is it uh, are you mirrorless are you still are you still with the DSLRs Eighty percent mirrorless okay. now. Yeah, and I I feel the same way about the Olympus cameras that Valerie does about uh, her X100s. Although I have an X20, a Fujifilm X20, and I just love 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 that camera too. Mm -hmm. It's that they they do some things really neat. But uh, I I carried around you know for the last month while I was traveling the the one of the OMDs with mm -hmm. just three lenses. And, uh, you know, all that fit in, you know, a super light backpack with an iPad mini. And, you know, the whole month that I was gone, I was not jonesing for more equipment at all. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, I had everything I needed and, uh, you know, it all fit in two pouches, you know, basically that I could hold yeah. one pouch in each hand. That's crazy. Uh, it was crazy. crazy. It was crazy. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, these cameras are good. <laughs> and uh, I and I, th I think Valerie said a key thing, which is when suddenly you feel like it's just an extension of your vision and you're not really thinking much about the gear sort of gets out of the way, that that is really a, a neat moment. Yeah, it is. And, you know, my, my current lineup of cameras that I use are, um, so, and, and this is interesting. So this is a, one of the main reasons why I went with Micro Four Thirds as the primary format that I shoot on is because of this thing. And it's uh, like if I'm going out to dinner or someplace casual or just walking around, I can grab that little tiny GM1. GM1 mm -hmm. It's like 
it's impossibly small. Like it's barely big enough to to you know to put a lens on, but I can put all of my Micro Four Thirds lenses on it and go to town. Plus, it's Panasonic, so it's the same UI as the GX7, which is the bigger one. It's that kind of the retro one that looks. Mm-hmm. It's like in the same family um, visually as the the X100 series. Um, but you know, I have that guy when I'm doing a little bit more serious photography, and I want a better, you know, a better quality and more options. And then if I'm really serious, and I, you know, I'm multimediographer mode where I want to shoot video and audio and all that stuff, I can grab the GH4, which shoots 4K and has an audio in and a fully articulated LCD and all that crazy stuff. And it's still all the lenses I have that fit on the GM1 fit on the GH4. So yeah. it's like ultimate yeah. inflexibility for, for me. And it works for me as, you know, being that multimedia kind of, you know, capturing multi, multiple types of, of data type person. But yeah, and, you know, Valerie, on this, when I first started looking at mirrorless, I was thinking, and I was looking at the X100, and I was thinking, you know what? I want to restrict myself down. You know, I want to have one body with a fixed lens. <laughs> And then you know, of course, Pandora's box with the G- with the with the Micro Four Thirds Four Thirds opened, and now I have what I'm looking over at my shelf, uh, like seven lenses for Micro Four Thirds that I can throw on there. Yeah. So, but you know, it's interesting. You know, for for both of you, uh, you know, when I'm out uh, shooting, let's say a lot of times on the OMD. I'll, one of my lenses I really like is a 17 millimeter mm. f1.8, mm-hmm. and it has a snap focus where you can go into manual focus mode really easy with it. Has all the markers for the you know depth of field scale, and yeah. you know it just really it's just a it's a cool lens. Yep. And um and I I will leave that lens on for a long time, not you know not forcing myself to do anything. It just it's getting the job done, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's like a 34 millimeter you know uh, equivalent, and uh, it's funny. And then something will come along, and then I'll have to do something else, and, and I'll change lenses. But I could leave that lens on probably eighty percent of the time and be fine. Yeah, yeah, it's great though. I mean, it's just it's it's like technology is receding out of the way. Like like Valerie with yeah. your with your camera, it's just like you know the the big days of the DSLR and the giant bag and the back aches and all that stuff. It seems they're still there for a lot of folks because you know they're doing jobs that need that level of hardware in order to, to get the job done. But for a lot of us, these smaller things do just fine. And we're able to be what, Derek? Nimble. Nimble. <laughs> and, you know. and most, most people who carry all that gear don't need it. Yeah. I mean, how many pro commercial shooters are out there? Not not a whole lot compared right. to, you know, all the people you see with the with big backpacks and heavy gear just being tourists yeah yeah and um and they don't need that they there's nothing they're going to get out of that that they can't get out of a, a lighter smaller system but now i can see how if they've invested in all that glass i mean switching over is um but that's the it, thing that's that's the, that's the bad thing i know i remember i was talking to a friend of mine whom you i think both of you know i will i will not name his name but he uh he, I remember he had every lens made by man from Nikon yeah, because he did this deal with Nikon and he was sponsoring him or something and they gave him every single lens or at least he said they gave him, gave him every single lens in their catalog, right? And I was thinking, because I was still shooting my Nikons at that time and I was thinking, oh man, first, 
the the gear lusting Frederick said, "Wow, wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> to have that kind of arsenal sitting on my shelf? I could just grab what I want and go to war." You know. And then the the more pragmatic Frederick said, "That would be more of a hindrance to me because I'd be sitting there. It's like overwhelm. I. It's like." You know, being Jay Leno and having 50, you know, 50 cars in your garage, and you're like, which one should I drive? And never being an expert on any of them. Right? You, can't, you can't be a race car driver knowing every little nuance of every single car you own to its, and what, what its limits are, limitations, and, and possibilities are. Same with the lenses. If you own a gazillion lenses, you can never get to the level of intimacy and knowledge of any one lens because you're, you're spread over a whole arsenal of lenses. Yeah, I I think that's very true, you know. And the one thing that I that I do want these days, though, and Frederick, I think we've talked about this before, is I want Wi-Fi in the mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. I've got to have that, and that's that's the one thing that drives me crazy about my X20. It's the camera I love a lot, but it doesn't have that built-in Wi-Fi. And oh, yeah. I tell you, when I'm traveling and I'm posting now for like three different clients online as I'm shooting over the course of the day, the Wi-Fi is just huge. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, huge going straight to my iPad mini and uh, then, you know, uh, work it a bit and then put it up. I just love it. Just yeah. really dig it. You know, I was talking to someone uh, yesterday. They were telling me that in uh, Japan, most people don't have um, physical computers, you know, like the laptops or desktops, mm-hmm. you know, especially desktops. Who, Geez, that's like your grandfather's computer you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and laptops are your parents computer you know yeah. so but everyone has phones obviously or a tablet of some sort then the problem becomes okay how do you get images or any kind of media onto the thing if you don't have because what you're used to having the computer as our digital hub right yeah. where everything yeah. goes into it and you disperse media out to these devices what happens when you take the hub out of the mix now you have to go directly from camera to device and how do you get there derek wi-fi wi-fi is the way to do it yeah yeah valerie do you use are you using wi-fi at all because i know your your x100s does that you know the answer no i don't no my (laughs) x100s doesn't it doesn't have it i don't miss it and i never even used it in any of the sony or samsung's that i've i mean i even used the galaxy what was it the samsung galaxy nx which Mm. is actually 3G, 4G. I wouldn't be saying that in public, <laughs> especially on this week in photo. <laughs> and uh, and I never used those. That feature doesn't interest me. Um, yeah. I mean, I could be shooting film. I'd be happy. You know, I pred- you say that now, but you have the air of someone that once you understand the capabilities and, and sort of grok them in a real world situation, you're going to be like, how come I haven't been using this all along? It's so <laughs> damn cool. Be. No, and it's true. And who knows what the next Fuji? I mean, I know there's there are rumors of a new uh, a replacement or a, an update for the X100s oh, uh, coming up. Come on, who knows? Yeah. It may have Wi-Fi, and yeah. uh, but I, that's not something I miss right now. Maybe yeah. you know we can talk in a year or two, and I'll have a completely different opinion. Can I make a prediction? I predict um, in, within the next year. The next 365 days, you are going to be moving towards a computerless workflow where you're shooting and editing and uploading from a phone or probably a tablet, I would say. Okay. Because you're all nimble. You're the nimble photographer right now with just that little X100S. So- and, my, uh, and my little... 
um, MacBook 11 inch. Exactly. So you're going to get rid of that. Oh. You're going to get rid of the MacBook and whatever the next iPad or whatever device is, you're going to get that and your bag is going to be even lighter and you're going to be even more nimble as you run around the world doing your workshops. I would have to part with my X100S and that's not happening. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Within the next year, you'll have the X100Y or whatever's, <laughs> Could be. whatever's we'll next. <laughs> No, it'll be the S Mark II. Oh, there you go. Well, if Fuji is listening, you know, I'll try whatever they want to send my way. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to this last story real quick before we run out of time here. This is a fun story. So, essentially, a restaurant in New York City has examined its security footage. And this is really niche. We're we're really drilling. Bruce, if you're listening, we are scraping the bottom of the... So, a restaurant in New York City has examined its security footage going back to 2004 and has determined that the average table time, which is customers sitting at tables from sit down to get up, has doubled since 2004, and they attribute this doubling to smartphone photography, i.e. people sitting there taking pictures of their lava flow drinks and (laughs) and putting them online. Valerie, tell me, are you one of these people that shoot their food? No, because um, I used to shoot food um, for a living, mm-hmm. and I'm very, very picky with the quality of the imagery that Which I produce. Which you trained with some food. of your workshop attendees on in Paris on and how to actually shoot food. we did. Yeah, we did a quick, uh, a quick travel food photography uh, lesson. Yeah. Um, and using cameras as well as um, cell phone, uh, camera phones. Yeah. And in natural light, using simple reflectors, um, we got you know high quality imagery of the food. When I see food pictures online of people shooting in a dark restaurant with who God knows what kind of lighting they (laughs) use, uh, it's not appetizing. It just, it's gross. And I'm like, please don't, don't photograph your food every, every meal. It's, it's no, I'm, I don't, I, that's not me. I may be checking my email and, and texting before and after the meal. Yeah. So I may Enduring. take a bit more time that way. <laughs> uh, guilty of that, but <laughs> that's it. I'm not taking pictures unless I'm, I have a good window seat. And I think if you're serious, if you're a foodie and you're serious about getting good images of your food, I mean, they, then then you, you go at certain times get a table near a window or an outside table and do some quality photography. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, so I think this survey is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it is kind of <laughs> Why stupid. would they waste their time doing that? And I come from France where when you have your table, you have it for the night. So that would not even apply there because they don't do two servings. Yeah, so yeah. They don't true. kick you out. They don't clear your plate once you're done. They wait for you to leave. I I gotta I have to confess I am guilty of doing this several times. I mean yeah several infractions and NSA could probably go back and tell you how many times but I have I have done this a couple of times and I know Derek at least takes photos of drinks. Derek, what about food? Did you get any food photography in Maui? I I didn't do any food. Oh no wait I did do I did uh I did a a hula pie uh and but that was uh that was outdoors i had nice lighting for the hula pie shot yeah. but uh the, my yeah i shoot food all the time i yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I in drinks and all that stuff. I'm a Instagram, Twitter kind of guy that way. But what's the what is like? Let's dive dive in just for a minute. The psychology of why people do that, you know. I and I'm thinking I'm thinking people do that, and I include myself in the group of people mm-hmm. um, that maybe there's some innate desire to brag, right? To say, hey. Look at what I'm eating while you eat your ramen noodles. You know, I'm having this great steak in Santa Monica. What are you having? You know, <laughs> yeah, you I mean, is that know, it? I mean, yeah, you don't, you're not going to take a shot of your meatloaf, right? Uh, right. Probably and, and uh, overcooked carrots. Yeah, or uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hey, look at my peanut butter and jelly sandwich well, on stale bread. Know, that- <laughs> yeah, that could that could have some photo qualities. I I think part of it is that you know, like you're you're really. I think part of it is you're happy. It's not so much bragging to me. I think, but you're really happy about what experience you're having at that moment. You know, you're having like this this great moment with a with a, a wonderful beer, you know, and mm-hmm. some food, and you know, and you, and you want to just sort of capture that and, and food and food is at the center of, of a lot of our, our uh, socializing sure and and I think it got it gets caught up in the socializing and and I think we we capture the food as part of that event so it's um you know it's actually something that I like now I don't like terrible food shots either you know yeah. um, uh, so I, I you know do it with some art but yeah. um, the thing going back to the survey is that I this thing seems crazy to me because, I mean, everyone that I know that takes a food shot, if the lighting is good and everything, and, and we can do it quickly, we do it. We're not staying there for half an hour setting up reflectors <laughs> and stuff. You know what I mean? You know, if I if I can't do it in a minute, I'm not doing it. So you know, so I you're like you're not bringing rest- models in, Derek. No, I don't know what the rest hand maybe models. Maybe people are just maybe people are just taking more time and enjoying themselves, and and if they take a few pictures, hey, that's good for the restaurant if the food looks good. That is, but. Yeah. It's it's yeah. free advertising. So what are they complaining about? Oh, yeah, Valerie, actually, you remember you remember what was the what was, what was it the opening dinner in Paris and yeah. it was the day that I had my very escargot. first escargot. Yep. Yes, and I did a shot or was it me? Yeah, I think I did a shot of the escargot and posted it online. And that was that was historic because that was likely the first and last time that I'll have escargot. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad, but you know, I was thinking, you know, if yeah. I want garlic and butter, I can just have garlic and butter and save the, the snails. This is the guy who, five minutes after stepping off the taxi, <laughs> ordered a hamburger and fries. Boom! In Paris. <laughs> I'm in beautiful Paris, France, uh, eating a hamburger and fries and drinking a beer, babe. That's how you do it. <laughs> I, I was representing. I wish I had my American flag on or something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I, I think this survey definitely had to be a U.S. survey because, like, if I'm in Paris or actually a lot of places in Europe, I have a harder time getting the check than I do actually, <laughs> you know, you know, taking up the table too long. So, yeah. I mean, you know, normally we're moving at a faster pace. Than, I know, I know. Hey, hey, Valerie, some yeah. places we yeah. had trouble just getting a waiter to come to the table. <laughs> <laughs> And they're going to blame that. They saw a camera in your hand, so that's the reason why you're there. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah they just they need to bring Yelp there so that, you know, yeah. we can start doing reviews of restaurants in Paris. So, so anyway, my, oh. have some restaurants in the U.S. banned photography? I've mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. seen that. No, yet. I've never run into I've that. heard about that. I haven't run into any, but I've heard a rumor that they're, they're banning them, uh, you know, at the very least from Google Glass. But you know, oh, yeah. who, knows? who knows? Who knows? It's all crazy. 
All right, guys, let's move on with the show. We're almost to the end here, unfortunately. I want to remind our listeners that we have an awesome show, another uh, show in the This Week in Photo family. It's called All About the Gear, and it's hosted by myself and Mr. Doug K. The latest show that we just released today as we record this on the 21st of July was a review of the new Sony A7S, which is uh, pretty eye-opening or illuminating, as it were. So definitely check that out. You can just head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash gear, and you can see all of the camera reviews that we've done. I think we're in the mid-20s now in terms of episodes. There's a bunch of cameras in there. Chances are the one that you love is probably in the mix. So check that out at thisweekinphoto.com slash gear. All right, guys, let's jump into some listener Q&A. This is the quick segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. This week's question comes from Chris Nielsen from our Google Plus community page, which, by the way, is now at over 8,000 members. Jeez. Um, He says, I've shot nothing but raw for years, but my EM1... This Olympus EM1 produces such lovely JPEGs that it makes me want to shoot just JPEG. Am I torn? Or I am torn, sorry. I am torn. Thoughts? Valerie, should should uh, should Chris just go with JPEG only and forego the raw? Yes. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> wow, no why, hesitation why, at all. Just yes. Why, would, why wouldn't he? I mean, I, I have shot JPEGs uh with my with the fuji um and it has you know i you can get a really nice contrasty black and white put a yellow filter and it's awesome the the reason why i shoot raw is because i if i'm i like to have control of the look of my black and white and and i if i'm shooting with a different like I've been shooting a little bit with the Sony to test it and uh, I kind of want to keep control of that so that it matches all my black and whites kind of have the same look yeah. um, but why not I mean it all depends what he's going to do with his pictures but if it's just his his work for himself and um, you know why not the JPEGs well, the why not great. I know the folks some folks in the audience are saying why not well because I want to be able to recover detail that's been lost in the shadows or highlights, and I have much more flexibility in developing my digital negative than letting my camera develop the digital negative for me. Derek, what do you think? Is that the case, or is Valerie right, and you should get it right in camera and shoot like you're shooting slide film? Well, I I agree with her on the why not. I mean, don't don't hold yourself back from shooting JPEGs just because you think you should shoot raw. You know, yeah. <laughs> yep. that, I mean that's the real thing. And it's funny, I I'm actually shooting more JPEGs now than I ever have. And what I did is I set up my um, EM10, which I was traveling with, so that one of the function buttons uh, added raw. So in other words, hmm. I'm shooting at JPEG super fine. Um, you know, as my normal way to go. And then when I spot a lighting situation where there's going to maybe be some highlights I want to recover or some shadows that are, uh, you know, maybe a little thorny, I just push the function button and then I'm shooting RAW plus JPEG uh, for for those series of shots. And then I go back out of uh, RAW once I'm... But if you're in broad daylight, I mean, really, if you're in broad daylight and, uh, you know, you're just shooting things that are normally lit... 
why 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 use up the extra resource yeah uh, you yeah. really i mean these jpeg formulas that they have are really good in almost all the camera manufacturers yeah, and the other piece of that derek is uh as we talked about when we were having lunch in san francisco one day that whole nimble photographer workflow that you're a big fan of mm -hmm. requires jpegs right because yeah. if you're going to shoot and transfer to your tablet or phone and edit and upload from there you're not doing that with raw photos right I'm not, you know, and it's really interesting. Uh, that's another reason why I've switched uh, more to JPEGs, except when I'm in a lighting situation where I think I need RAW, is that, and this is so funny, this kind of proves the point, uh, that, uh, so I'm shooting JPEGs, they go onto my iPad, I maybe do a little Snapseed work on them, and then I send them up, right? And then, okay, so when I get home, everything flows into my computer. Uh, the RAWs and stuff that I do have, and the JPEGs that I worked on, uh, and they all flow in there. And then I look at them on the retina display on my MacBook Pro, and, and nine times out of ten, I just leave them be. I mean, those mm -hmm. JPEGs that I edited on my iPad and had pushed up, I'm thinking, oh, when I get home, I'll rework them and, you know, make them right. Da, they look great. <laughs> so, wow. you, know, I, you know, on to the next thing. I've, I've got more stuff to do. Yeah. And, and who sets those rules anyways? It's just like, oh, you have to shoot manual. Why you oh, I never, I never subscribe to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, let the camera do some of the work too, and and uh, what well, depends on what you shoot, of course. But like for street photography, for sure, shooting manual would be detrimental most of the time because you're more likely to, you know, to miss something and 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 miss the shots and and uh, so I I don't know. I think there are a lot of uh, people who feel pressured to shoot full manual or to shoot raw because. You know, that's what people say you should do. But mm -hmm. you know what? Do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I, you know, I agree I with agree. you. Try. And, you know, my bottom line answer to this, uh, Frederick, it would be learn how to, with your eyes, spot situations where you need to shoot raw. Yeah. And you need, I mean, you know, that's part of being a photographer mm -hmm. is, is seeing the scene and understanding what you're about to shoot. And then, you know, if it's a scene that, you know, where you, you think you need to shoot raw for all the reasons that we know already, then shoot raw then. Yeah. But, but you know, just don't, don't be a robot. Yeah, definitely. Don't be a robot. And, you know, I'm, I will use every setting on all of my cameras. You know, on the, you know, I'm not afraid to use intel intelligent auto shutter aperture priority program, whatever, depending on what the sig the situation dictates. And I look at it like, you know, as long as like it's a car, using the car metaphor. If as long as I'm an expert driver, I know how to drive really well, and I can drive a stick shift, a la manual. Then when I don't feel like driving stick, I should be able to flick it into automatic and drive. Right? I know what the I know what the car is doing, but I don't have to do it at that point. And I can relax and concentrate on enjoying the ride a little more than concentrating on shifting and hitting the clutch and all that. Same with cameras. If I decide that I want to shoot JPEG and let the camera handle the processing, or if I decide I want to shoot intelligent auto and let the camera make all of the decisions for me, or I decide I want to go manual and have full control over everything, I can do that as long as I know what is happening on the back end. The problems come in when you don't know that stuff and you 
you learn to drive, and I, I'm sorry, folks that don't know how to drive stick shifts, and it would be a bad metaphor for you. But if, <laughs> if you you don't know how to drive a stick shift, but you drive everywhere on a, with automatic, and then now you're in a mission critical emergency situation, and the only car available to you is a stick shift, now you're screwed, right? So. So I don't know. You know, I think like Valerie said, I don't think there are any rules here. You know, in photography, you should just do do what you like, you know. And and no matter what, I mean, you still have to tell the story. And um, whether you're on full auto or not, you still have to to see. And it's all about your vision. Mm -hmm. I agree. Learning how to see. That's that's the thing. Love it. It sounds like a nimble photography post right there. <laughs> Tomorrow. There you go. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week real quick. This is uh, where you guys can recommend something to the This Week in Photo listening audience as long as it's related to photography. Valerie, you're just back from across the pond. What is your pick of the week? Um, well, we'll we all know which which is my favorite camera, <laughs> but I must say that the Sony Alpha 6000 is quite amazing for its price it's under a thousand dollars and um i've i've used it quite a bit it's not it's not the camera i'm gonna grab first i have to kind of okay i'm gonna leave the fuji behind i'm just gonna shoot with a sony and i've done it quite a few times especially during my vacation after the paris workshop and it is quite amazing um amazing amazing focus tracking and its frame rate is out of this world. So I really believe that if you're into shooting fast action anything, this is the small camera for you. Um, the, I mean, those are the pros. Definitely um, the frame rate is, I think, 11 frames per second, and it can go six cycles without stopping. So that would be like 66 frames in a really, really fast, uh, really uh uh, short time yeah. and uh, and then the focus tracking really is quite amazing and, and a lot of my um, couple of my workshop participants had that camera and used the focus tracking uh, for street photography and got some amazing result the problem for me is it does not have a silent mode mm. and I'm close when I shoot street photography I shoot at 23 millimeter which is on the Fuji is the equivalent to 35 so the silent mode if I'm in a subway um, at just three feet from my subject, they will hear the Sony. They will not even know I pressed the shutter on the Fuji. So that, that was a problem for me. And the LCD, although it's great because it uh, articulates, it's really, really hard to see in bright daylight. So there are really only two things that I did not care for um, on the Sony. Other than that, it's, it's a great, great camera, great value for sure. Very cool. It's a winner, yeah. The A six thousand, yeah, and uh, and you know, I know a lot of folks that just you know their their jaws are dragging the ground because of that camera's performance. But yeah, you're right. It is not silent. It doesn't have the silent mode, which is you know in some situations a prerequisite for the street photographer. Right? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Valerie. That's a that's a great pick. All right, Mr. Derek Story, what's your pick of the week? Uh, it's a little iPhone app this week, actually. And uh, it's been around for a while, although I just discovered it. I don't know why it took me so long to, to find this. Uh, it's called Horizon. Hmm. And it's a video recording uh, app. It's, it's very easy to use. It records excellent video. But what it does is that no matter which way you're holding the iPhone, it records in horizontal mode. Oh. So, uh, so it gets rid of those, those 
portrait videos <laughs> that are, that are uh, you know, problematic. Now, obviously, if you want a portrait video, you can record with any other video app. <laughs> but this Horizon <laughs> app is great, and it uses uh, the gyroscopes in the in the camera, and so it'll it'll you can put it in a mode where it'll actually keep the horizon straight too, if if you want that. Also, it's just a slick little app. It's a dollar ninety nine. It's and if you if you record video uh, regularly, it's it's pretty terrific. You know who needs this app, Derek? Uh, our friend, Mr. Leo Laporte. So, <laughs> I was so right. I was on this week in tech a, a little bit ago, and Leo was Leo had just gotten back from Hawaii. Uh, he and Lisa had just got back from Hawaii, and he was showing some videos that he took of some waterfalls. And of course, what orientation were they in? Oh yeah, vertical. You know, and his his to his credit, his uh, rationale was. Well, it's a waterfall. You know, it's vertical. <laughs> <laughs> it's vertical. Uh, I think he could have used the Horizon app on that trip. I'm just the saying. Hor- yeah. The Horizon app's awesome. It's yeah. really is fun. It's a dollar ninety nine. I mean, it's less than a Starbucks. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Derry. That's a good. That's a good pick. All right, guys. My pick is my good friend, Mr. Jeremy uh, Cowart, uh, has a new website that he just launched today. I believe it's Monday. July 21st, and he just launched it today. So he revised his website, and uh, I won't give it away, but he has his first post on there says, new website, new direction. So if you want to learn about Jeremy's new direction, head over to jeremycoward.com and uh, and check it out. But the other piece of this pick is, you know, I was talking to him. He happened to be in town, and I got a chance to, to chat with him for a while, and his... Um, his uh one of the things that he like all of us one of the questions that uh, that we get asked a lot is what camera should i buy or what gear do you use or what lighting do you use or what software do you you know all that stuff over and over again so he decided to answer that question once and for all for everybody and he created this amazing detailed pdf ebook on his website that he's given away for free that goes into insane detail on everything that he has in his bag and his studio everywhere you know with links to go get it if you want it so definitely check that out he calls it the photographer's toolkit and is what and it's at his website at jeremy Cowart.com. So that's my pick. That's, of the week. That's, wasn't he the number one socially influential photographer? In yes, that? he was. He was he just was, named he was at the top of the list, wasn't he? He was number one. He yeah, was number one. So. And just yeah. for the record, I am on that list as well. Just so you know, I am on that list. So oh, yeah. I think, you know, of the 30, I may be, you know, 29.5, but I'm on the list. <laughs> I'm on the list. It only counts if you make it, right? So, right. Right. <laughs> so. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsor for this show, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. They're uh, they're awesome for helping us keep this thing going. Also, uh, if you guys want to keep up with Valerie Jardin, Valerie, where should they go? Very good. Um, just my website uh, or Google Valerie Jardin. So its uh, website is valeriejardinphotography.com, all in one word. Mm-hmm. And for you folks that don't understand how she pronounced her last name is Valerie J A R D I N. If you don't have that cool That's French right, accent, now that you say it right, nobody will know how to spell it anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Valerie, thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. With you. All right, Derek Story. What about you? Where should folks go to keep up with you? 
Uh, TheDigitalStory.com. Everything uh, flows through there. All right. How's the nimble photographer going? It's going great. It's going great. I, I, you know, it's my journal. It's my photographer's journal, and it, and I love doing journals. And this is for some of you done an online journal, and that happens over at Nimble Photographer, along with the uh, Instagram stuff and the Flickr stuff. It's you know, it's all the it's all the fun stuff that happens over there. And you know, digital stories a little bit more serious. But uh, I have people write me and they go, "I like the side of you." You know, the Nimble Photographer side. It's you know, it's you're so human, <laughs> which I think is a compliment. <laughs> I I would. Say- Say so, Derek. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Awesome. And folks, if you want to keep up with me or This Week in Photo, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. Also, remember, if you want to check out our All About the Gear show, that's at thisweekinphoto.com slash gear. And Valerie, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Valerie is going to be doing a show on the upcoming This Week in Photo or TWIP network. And it's going to be on what, Valerie? Uh, street photography, I hope. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, Valerie will be doing nude male photography. On- <laughs> no. Valerie's going to be killing it and crushing it with an awesome show on street photography, of course, like no one else can, except maybe who? Cartier Bresson. Right? He can do it. But uh, he wasn't available, so Valerie decided <laughs> to go. Kill it with this show, and that's coming up hopefully within the next month or so. So we'll keep you posted uh, as to when that actually goes live. So yeah, again, if you want to check art out, check out our site. It's at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you want to find me, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And that's it for this show. I guess it's what time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.